0: from kqed
1: good morning this is the california report i'm saul gonzalez in los angeles there are about a thousand public school districts in california and the state's top education official is acknowledging pandemic conditions have deteriorated to a point that many of them won't have students physically present on campuses this fall and instead will rely on distance learning kqed's vanessa rancano has more
2: State Superintendent Tony Thurman said counties with few new COVID cases may well be able to reopen schools this fall. But where cases are rising, Thurman said, the state is trying to help districts better understand what metrics they need to determine if it's safe to start bringing students back to campuses.
1: In any place where there's uncertainty, we should proceed with caution. In many cases, that's going to mean opening and distance learning until we have more information.
2: Information about things like testing availability at school sites. The Department of Education will soon release standards for what quality distance learning should look like, including attendance practices and how much face time teachers should deliver. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño.
1: Now, because of rising COVID cases, the Los Angeles and San Diego school districts announced earlier this week that they would move to distance learning in the fall. Superintendent Thurman applauded that decision. As we confront the coronavirus pandemic, Californians can't take their eyes off of that older adversary, wildfire. In Fresno County, west of Kalinga, dozens of people are now under an evacuation order due to the Mineral Fire. It's burned over 16,000 acres and is 20% contained. KQED Central Valley reporter Alex Hall has that story.
3: The Fresno County Sheriff's Office has expanded its evacuation order, so far making contact with residents in at least 40 homes that it says are dangerously close to the path of the wildfire burning west of Koalinga. CAL FIRE spokeswoman Stacey Nolan says the fire is in a remote mountainous area with no known fire history. And that means there's more vegetation or fuel for the fire to burn.
0: The terrain is very steep and some of the access areas are actually difficult to get into. And of course, there's been no fuels that have burned in that um, area that we know of. So, you know, that thicker brush, you know, um, taller weeds, that kind of stuff.
3: In addition to dealing with the changing conditions of the fire, crews are also adjusting to new safety measures at the base camp implemented to slow the spread of COVID-19, including social distancing, masks and additional handwashing. Over 900 personnel, including firefighters brought in to assist from around the state, are working to contain the blaze. For The California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno.
1: After intense blowback, the Trump administration told a federal judge on Tuesday that it's withdrawing a plan to strip international students of their visas if they're enrolled only in online college classes this fall because of the pandemic. That's big news for tens of thousands of students in California. From KPCC, Adolfo Guzman-Lopez reports. USC and UCLA enroll a lot of international students, and so do community colleges, about 22,000 statewide, mostly in Southern California. Eloy Ortiz Oakley is chancellor of California's community colleges. His system joined lawsuits to stop the policy. He welcomed the Trump administration's change, but isn't withdrawing from the lawsuit just yet. We're cautious because we've seen over the last, uh, three years. Many changes in direction in this administration. The lawsuits argued that the policy would wreak havoc on international students' plans and wasn't based on sound policy. The Office of California's Attorney General said it's waiting for more information from the White House before telling the court to cancel its lawsuit. For the California Report, I'm Adolfo Guzman Lopez. The state of California filed a lawsuit yesterday against the Trump administration for repealing and replacing the Obama-era borrower defense rule, which provides loan relief for students defrauded by for-profit universities. KQED's Julie Chang has more.
3: State Attorney General Javier Becerra, joined by two dozen attorneys general across the nation, says the new version eliminated all defenses borrowers can use, but one that the school knowingly misrepresented facts. Becerra says that puts a burden on students to prove misconduct.
0: During this COVID 19 pandemic, that for students or recent graduates who are trying to find or keep a job, that the Department of Education and Secretary DeVos are adding this additional stress in their lives.
3: The new rule applies to federal student loans borrowed beginning July 1st of this year. The Department of Education says the amended borrower defense rule protects students from fraud, ensures financial relief for students if they suffered harm, and holds schools accountable. For the California Report, I'm Julie Chang.
1: Think of trees that define California and what comes to mind. Well, there are redwoods and palm trees and coastal oaks. And then there's the Joshua tree, which isn't actually a tree at all, but a kind of giant succulent native to places like the Mojave Desert. And the Joshua tree is now at the center of a growing political dispute. Environmentalists want the state to add it to California's endangered species list. But many property owners and desert communities are against that, saying it could hobble new development. I talked about the issue with Brendan Cummings, he's with the Center for Biological Diversity, which is fighting to get the Joshua Tree listed as endangered. Cummings started by telling me why that's important to do.
0: The, the existential threat to the species is climate change. Joshua trees are already showing signs of stress from the warming that's occurred to date. We've already seen largely a stop of reproduction and we've also seen increased adult mortality.
1: So really tangibly, what would the state's listing of Joshua trees as an endangered species really do to help protect them?
0: It would create an obligation upon state agencies when they carry out activities to consider the impacts of those activities on a protected species, such as the Joshua tree. It would require the preparation of a recovery plan, which is this multi-stakeholder effort to figure out what does this species actually need if it's going to survive and recover. Um also, includes protections. You can't kill a Joshua tree without going through various permits or exceptions. And so, that protection against killing of Joshua trees is what's prompted the, the most controversy over the listing. Well, speaking of that
1: controversy, how do you respond to critics, especially those in desert communities, who say listing the Joshua trees as endangered could damage local economies and stop necessary development like new housing or infrastructure projects?
0: Concerns about the economic or societal impacts of endangered species protection are almost universally overblown. There's about 250 plants and animals already protected under the California Endangered Species Act. And that hasn't brought development in California to a halt. Uh, there are multiple mechanisms to get permitting that allows activities to occur in a manner that protects endangered species. And as a practical matter, you know, if a development project requires mowing down Joshua trees, it's probably being put in the wrong place. And if we do what's necessary now to protect Joshua trees, Joshua trees can transition from a symbol of our absolute failure to address climate change to a symbol of our successful response to climate change and societal commitment to keep this living icon of the Mojave Desert thriving in perpetuity.
1: Again, that's Brendan Cummings of the Center for Biological Diversity. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled last month that the Trump administration unlawfully ended a program that protects undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children. And that means hundreds of thousands of people nationwide are now eligible to apply for the first time for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA. But as KQED's Farida Javalo Romero reports, the federal agency handling those applications so far isn't giving any clarity to those young people.
2: Cassandra Merlos came to the U.S. with her parents from Mexico when she was three years old. She grew up undocumented in El Centro, in Southern California. Now she's 24 and a senior at UC Riverside. My whole life has been here in the U.S. She says back in 2017, she was about to apply for DACA for the first time when President Trump ended the program. And Merlos missed out on getting protection from deportation and a work permit, which she regrets. And... I feel like that's a huge, huge
3: impact for me because I've been struggling not being able to work.
2: For the last three years, the courts kept DACA alive, but only for people renewing the protections, not first-time applicants like Merlos. So when she heard of the Supreme Court's ruling, Merlos started gathering all her school transcripts and other documents to finally try for DACA.
3: I want to give it a shot. I want it. I need it.
2: But the website of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services still says the agency is not taking new DACA applicants. And officials say the program is unlawful. And they're reviewing the justice's decision. This is a lawless administration. I mean, it's a shocking thing. San Jose Congresswoman Lofgren chairs the House Subcommittee on Immigration and Citizenship. She says the administration must begin processing new DACA applications. They're not adhering to the ruling of the United States Supreme Court. Luis Perez, legal director at the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights in Los Angeles, says his organization is weighing a lawsuit to force the Trump administration to comply. His legal team submitted a new DACA petition on behalf of a client the same day of the Supreme Court ruling, almost a month ago.
0: Usually from the time we submit an application, within two weeks, we have some type of notice of action on that particular application, and we still haven't heard from them.
2: He says his organization has more than 100 clients ready to apply. Some have waited years. But Perez recommends they wait a little more until they see what happens with that first application he turned in.
0: It is a very difficult time. Things are up in the air. There's not a lot of guidance from anywhere, and people are just waiting.
2: Some undocumented young people are getting fed up with waiting. Sara Diaz is 18 and just finished her freshman year at UC Santa Barbara. But she's decided to move to Canada, she says. She's done with the roller coaster ride of immigration politics in the U.S.
3: I guess I got tired of, like, hoping someone would care because, like, Obama cared and then Trump came and he got rid of it. And then what happens, like, maybe Biden wins, maybe he doesn't. It's like they're playing tug-of-war with you.
2: She says she wants to work helping women get educated and become entrepreneurs. But she says it looks like she won't pursue that dream in the U.S. For The California Report, I'm Farida Javala romero
1: And that is The California Report for this Thursday, July 16th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Have a great day.
0: Support for the California report comes from the California Earthquake Authority, urging Californians to prepare to survive and recover from the next damaging earthquake. Learn more at earthquakeauthority.com. Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the earth needs a good lawyer. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems.
2: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
1: Hey. To sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks
0: do you love learning about the san francisco bay area it's history it's people it's unique blend of cultures then you should check out the bay curious book i'm katrina schwartz editor and producer on the bay curious podcast and i'm here to let you know that for the month of may we've worked out a sweet deal for kqed podcast listeners